I just had a fantastic conversation with Arjun Vaidya of Dr. Vaidya's. He and his wife have had the largest exit in the D2C space in the recent times. And I think that means that there's a lot of things that we can learn from. Here are four things that he covered amongst the others, which were really interesting. How he decided to take his legacy business forward, his grandfather's legacy business in Ayurveda. How he turned a small clinic into a multi-million dollar uh, you know, company and one of the biggest Ayurveda brands in the country. Two, how he handled his first failure. For any founder, handling their first failure is a crucial point where they decide either to give up or to pursue ahead. How he managed that. Three, how his partners also his co-founder and how that equation works, which is, I think, very, very interesting. And many people shy from it, but I think you should lean into that. And last but not the least, what is he doing now? What are the different, different things he's excited about right now? So watch this episode and you're going to learn so many things. I was blown away and so will you. Arjun, I've been planning, trying to meet you, planning to meet you for the last uh, few months. And I was very impressed with what you were able to do with Ayurveda, right? I mean, I, I don't think any other company was able to get the kind of size you built, uh, the kind of organization you built and the kind of exit you got. I think it was the biggest one in the D2C space, if I have not right. One of the first few, yeah. One of the first few, right? So what inspired you to start that? Actually, uh, inspiration was a lot about my family and my life growing up as well. So um, my family has been in Ayurveda for 150 years. My last name Vedya means Ayurvedic doctor. We come from a legacy of 150 years of Ayurvedic doctors in the family. There was no business. My great grandfather moved from Morbi in Gujarat to Bombay. Um, he set up a small Ayurvedic clinic. My dada graduated from medical school and joined him um, and then eventually took on the clinic. In the 80s and 90s, he became one of India's most successful Ayurvedic doctors. Nice. You see 300 to 350 patients a day in that clinic. Wow. Had 12,000 patients on a monthly basis, right down by a post, which was the e-commerce of that time. Uh, but um, he never was a businessman. He didn't care for sales distribution, marketing strategy. Consultation was free in this clinic and still continues to remain free at Dr. Vedic. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and you only paid for the medicine. Right? Hmm. So income strata um, didn't prevent you from coming into the clinic. That's what he wanted. He was a man of service. My dad graduated from... HR college, he was a business marketing guy and he wanted to make a brand out of it. But doctors and businessmen don't see eye to eye usually. And so eventually my dad went his own way and started his own successful business in the jewelry and watch. Fathers and sons also don't see eye to eye. <laughs> I think maybe that was also a reason. But anyway, my brother yeah. works with my dad. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I grew up with asthma. I, okay. I suffered from juvenile bronchitis at age two. I'm a big cricket fan, actually. You can see mm. in the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Sachin's jersey um, and so I uh, I started playing cricket at Hindu gym Khana when I was five and by age seven my dada moved me off the cricket field because it's too much dust on the cricket field oh. so while my friends were playing cricket and football I was playing golf and squash nice um, which I didn't like so much to be honest I didn't have coke limka fanta sprite ice cream till I was 12 13 years old because it would oh. jack my throat so asthma prevented me from having a normal childhood I got on Ayurvedic treatment my dada eventually cured me uh, when I was 15 and a half. And I started playing cricket again. I became Lovely. captain of my school cricket team. Lovely. So this was actually the motivation behind that personal journey with Ayurveda. Both from family and then from my own individual experience. That made me mm. interested to do something. And then I went to the US. And I saw yoga being repackaged. Yoga mats, yoga gyms, yoga, lululemon. And I saw India had nothing to do with this. Mm. And so I 
called my grandfather from campus i remember and i said we can't let the same happen with our veva i'm very patriotic i wear this band with the indian flag on nice. my hand i've been Saw wearing that. it for 13 years so i i moved straight back to india after college i worked in finance and after my dada passed in 2016 i took on his legacy and i said i'm going to do something with it uh, what's the worst that can happen it won't work but mm. If Ayurveda skips two generations in my family, mm. which is my mm. dad's and mine, mm. it's dead. Mm. The legacy true. dies. True. That was the reason or the purpose behind doing what I did. So, when you got onto this, there was nobody else doing this in the same space, right? So, did you have an inspiration somewhere, or was was your granddad an inspiration? I mean, he was an inspiration for Ayurveda, but from a business model perspective, or any company you wanted to emulate, or did you have any inspiration from an organization per se or was it just your version ki, okay i want to take ayurveda and make it see i'll say 2016 and 2023 are very different times mm. right today you have hundreds of companies that have gone big that have mm. raised money there are sharks there is shark tank there is all of that mm. when i started none of this existed mm. right so actually we didn't have so many we were the first cohort of d2c brands we used to go to investors and they'd say will an online brand only really work like is that possible doesn't huh. do, doesn't sound like it'll work mm. right so i think maybe like some american companies some some brands there but to be honest you know at that time when i was so young i actually didn't really think so much like i remember talking to viraj founder of viva and he told me um that he sold his house when he wanted to start viva oh wow um and he was like today that seems like a wild decision but at that time it seemed like the right thing to do right so i feel like at that time i didn't think so much i said chalo We'll try it. I'm right. 24 and a half years old. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I'll, it won't work, right? But at least I gave it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't really overthink at that time starting. And also we didn't have so many examples. Correct. We didn't have so many examples mm. of scale. Mm. Everybody was just starting, right? Mm. You see the boats, the mamas, the wows. Maybe mm. wow had been there for a little bit of time. Mm. Mom's co, M caffeine, mm. um, rage coffee. Mm. Like everyone was just starting up at that time. Sleepy Owl was a very early on hmm. brand, hmm. so it was early. So days. not too many inspirations for you to follow. No, no, and no. I mean, inspiration was like Patanjali and Dabur and Himalaya and all, right? And no, so but did you see Patanjali and Himalaya as somebody who could wipe out your business if they, you know, like, like did you did you ever look at them as competitors or did you look at them like, oh, I hope I am at this size someday, or was your vision that okay, I want to be bigger than these guys? Or look, I'll be honest, I'm uh, not one of those people who's a visionary who thinks 10 years out i think 100 days out i never saw them as competitors i always saw them as aspiration nice. i wanted to get there at some point Correct. um did i think they'd wipe me out no but that was the exuberance of you they wiped me out i started offline and i got totally wiped out in 6 months i shut down that business right that's when i realized actually you have to find a moat some differentiator and we found that in online after mm-hmm. getting wiped out offline mm-hmm. so the wipe out offline actually taught us a lot of things nice what 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 did you feel when that first attempt failed like if you got wiped out that would have been a pretty yeah it was a terrible feeling the only other time i faced that was uh i had applied to upen early decision for college i was a really good student like i was a straight a like got like 96% in icsc oh, which I school got, were you in i was in cathedral my kids are in cathedral then i moved to ambani nice. i got 44 or 45 in the ib wow Uh, so I was a really good student, mm-hmm. and then I applied to UPEN only decision, and I didn't get in. Oh, I got waitlisted, and that time I was like shell shocked. <laughs> like, like my parents had to take me to Alibaba <laughs> to like get over it. And s- similar feeling here. Um, I was just absolutely 
shell shocked i locked myself up in the room on a friday evening i didn't open the leave the room pretty much till monday morning i missed a friend's wedding i missed a cousin's wedding that weekend so it was really really bad feeling um yeah i was just shocked son what did you how did you come out of it like what what was what went through your head when you so got the out weekend, of it weekend i had some conversations with my family with my girlfriend um who then became my wife and co-founder um and good fortune was that good sense prevailed rationality prevailed i understood why i failed and i understood also that i was actually destined to fail because i did it wrong hmm. i didn't have money i didn't advertise i thought i would show distribute a social media advertising they'd be excited they didn't really care but i'd convince myself that they cared i put out stock in the market i never checked secondary sales mm. there was actually no secondary sales so how did i expect it to work right so i realized it wasn't for me because there was too much competition i didn't have the money i didn't have the bandwidth and nobody was knowing my brand so why would they go to the retail shop to buy my product and so i just realized offline wasn't for me and and that's it so and what I was the it. was there like a eureka moment when the no on, eureka moment or just online or was there online was the next thing you wanted to what do? else was left what else was left what else was left right you can say to the eureka moment mm. i thought of it the flip <laughs> the, the switch flip and all of that stuff right but reality was the what else do i do and either i shut down or i try something different and we tried something different and luckily it worked for us okay and hindsight is always amazing <laughs> hindsight is 2020 vision but that time we didn't know it'll work so what in that worked like when you went uh, d2c when you went online now what can you see like oh you know what these two three things is what actually changed the game for see i'll be honest mm. we didn't know any of this would work mm. and we didn't know our hypothesis for what would work and what actually worked was totally different okay. right and so i always say the best way to start is to start correct because all these assumptions philosophical thinking excel sheets models presentations powerpoints and reality is very different mm. i went in saying i want to make ayurveda cool sexy fun and aspiration for millennials mm. that was the thesis with dr vedas mm. that was what mm. i did on my linkedin page i did i pitched mm. to investors pitched to anyone etc all of that mm. right tell you also we started this website one year we ran it we got from 0 to 50 orders a day what we realized in that one year after speaking to more than 1000 customers i used to do customer service on the weekends myself mm. i would take the android phone we didn't have all these complex crm structures <laughs> etc all of that cloud telephony none of that mm. android phone mm. which was my dada's mobile number and people would call on that and whatsapp on that that's uh. how we'd engage right so uh what i realized is actually the customers are not these bombay delhi bangalore customers they are muzaffarnagar anantnag imphal and trichy customers they are excited by a free consultation because they don't have access to a high quality ayurvedic doctor at the touch of their fingertips 70% of them don't speak english so my minimalistic english advertising was irrelevant to mm. them and so actually the products that they were interested in were weight management weight gain not weight loss sexual wellness diabetes arthritis asthma intestinal ailments that kind of stuff and wow. that's what that's what started selling that's pretty and so the toughest thing to do as a founder is to say that actually that's not my i'm not my customer um, i have to train my mind to start thinking like my customer that would have been a pivotal moment when you realize that i am not my own customer yeah, so i am not the target i'll give you an example mm. right uh, we were one of the early adopters of tiktok advertising in 2019 okay. mm. uh, and the story of how we did it was like i i used to see a lot of people so we had we ran a clinic mm. right um my dada's clinic still ran and our office was in the same space right mm. like you have the mm. lab and mm. your or your office so like i would there would be like 30 40 walk-ins every day mm. and so i would just like speak to these people see them a lot of them were on tiktok and i was mm. like my customers are on tiktok so i would be on tiktok so i went to my agency and i said yeah hey, i want to advertise on tiktok they were like yeah yeah we have a connect 
we'll get back, we'll get here, there. And then one week, two weeks passed and they were like, yeah, yeah, the person just joined this. And I was like, look, I am giving someone money. How can they not want to take my money? That's doesn't make sense. Doesn't right? calculate, yeah. So I went on, I, I typed TikTok uh, India head on Google. Hmm. Some three, four names came up. I DM'd all of them on LinkedIn. Hmm. Two, three of them replied, got on a call. The next day we started advertising. Now, when we started advertising on TikTok, the creative imagery of our brand was obviously very TikTok friendly, very different from what appealed mm. to me, etc. All of that. So, uh, I remember walking past my performance marketing team and one of our top sellers was this muscle gain supplement called Herbo Build. So, I walked past my performance marketing team and there was this ad where there was some like really jarring music and some like imageries of like like bodybuilders coming in and out in a really tacky way according to me, right? So, I was like, Hey guys, look, I understand that I'm not the customer, but my family name is the company's name. So you can't I can't do. have this ad go up. I'm sorry. Just take it down. They were like, okay, we'll take it down when it's running at 7x. So what should we do? I, so I go, okay, no, take it down. It's fine. Keep running it. Right. And that, that was a pivotal moment where I realized actually, hmm. uh, like, I have to start thinking differently. And a lot of founders actually go wrong because they, the problem that, what they think is the problem is a problem for them, but not for a large customer sector. And so even as an investor now, when I think about investing, if I am consuming the product, mm. I'm already paranoid that the TAM is small or mm. the market is small. Mm. Because I live in a, my dad keeps saying, you live in a separate country called South Bombay. And India so, is totally different from this country, right? Uh, th- that I think is going to go on the starting of the video. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a separate country called South Bombay. That was a- no, but that's true, right? Because the demographic is extremely different from ROI, rest of India. It's very, very different. Most founders... And by the way, I'm not... Uh, like, I feel like some people are apologetic about being from here. I'm not apologetic about being from here. But I'm saying that I am very cognizant and mindful that my behavior and my consumption may not be the behavior of a bulk of our country. And so I have to actually train my mind to see what I am doing is very different from what the rest of the country is doing. And if I want to be a good founder mm. or a good investor catering to mm. this large community of people, which is a very large opportunity, mm. I have to put aside my way of thinking and living. Simple. Most founders, I think, make the mistake that they think that they know better than most people. They know better than uh, rest of the country or maybe sometimes better than the audience. One in hundred may be actually right, but 99 are wrong. Uh, I've I've been wrong multiple times, right? Because we've created products in isolation where I'm like, oh, this is what, you know, I know the industry needs this. We will make this and the industry will buy. And I think the, wrong. The, the other big thing, right, that I learned is just complete humility. Hmm. Like, just be okay to be proven wrong at all points of time in your life. Yeah. And be okay, say, okay, oh, that, that's a better idea. Let's, let's go with that, right? And so... Uh, we had come up with something called hygiene quotient. Just in the, I mean, when the pandemic began, and hygiene is important, right? We came up with, the, I came up with this idea that hey, we are going to build this product where we are going to digitize a checklist, and every restaurant is going to need it because you know COVID is there. How do you make sure everyone's following process? And terribly bombed. We didn't push it enough, also. But again, when customers actually tried it, we weren't really solving that bigger problem. We're coming up with the product now. It launches in two weeks. Before we even built anything, before we even had a skeleton of it. I spoke to 100 customers as if the product is made. I'm like, hey guys, we're launching this. What do you think? Do you think it's going to add value? Like, yeah. I discussed the pricing. I discussed the anything as if the product is already made. 
once I spoke to 100 of them and 90 plus gave me saying that, boss, I'll pay this money for this product. Then I went to the drawing board with my team and we're creating the product and it's launching in two weeks. And hopefully it will work. We've done this something very similar for another product called Nutripedia, which was uh, there's a law in the country where uh, restaurants are supposed to have nutrition information. If you test it, it's super expensive. Yeah. We built a software that is able to do it at one-tenth the cost. Again, we spoke to customers. They said, yes, boss, we can't afford to test it. Can you build something? And I remember talking to Swiggy. And they said, hey, guys, we want to take this into market quickly. And they've been working with us. We've been doing audits for Swiggy Zomato for almost now four or five years. And they said, it's ready, right? Like, you guys will launch. Nothing was ready. I got out of the meeting and I said, yeah, in two weeks, I'll show you a demo. I think I said my team is finalizing. In two weeks, I'll show you a demo. I got out of the meeting in uh, Bangalore and I called my team like, guys, this product, remember we discussed last week? They're like, yeah. I said, I need it ready in two weeks. They're like, how do we launch a tech product in two weeks? I'm like, I don't care how we do it. We're going to sleep in the office. But two weeks later, we showed them the demo. They loved it. We've processed, I think, some four or five lakh recipes through that software and we're doing more now ever since. But the having that humility of this thing, sometimes even at that scale, you have to do Jugad. But that works. Uh, you mentioned something earlier, which is interesting, that uh, your wife is also a business partner or in Dr. Weathers' business. How was that? How did that play out? Was it good? Was it stressful? Was it fun? Was it? How was that? Look, it was a beautiful experience for us. Uh, I think we grew up with the company. When I started, I was 24 and a half. She's a year older. So she joined when she was 26. She went about six, eight months after I started. Mm. We got married while building while the company. Wilder. Nice. Um, we got engaged while building the company. Um, and we matured as people. Like the Arjun and Trisha that were at Dr. Vedya's together in 2017 and the ones that left mm. in 2021 were totally different people. Um, and I think I owe a lot to the company for making us better people. Um, I think what worked for us, and I'm going to TED talk on this as well, because I think like a lot of people see some stigma in partners working together, family working together. There are complications. Look, the work comes home and home comes to work and you have to find a way to stop that. The good news is fights can't last because a home fight can't last at work, a work fight can't last at home. Um, complementary skill sets. Like I'm a creative guy. I'm a marketing guy. I'm a big picture guy. So I used to do sales, business development, fundraise, factory, production and investor relations. That's all. Okay. The rest of the business, which means customer service, logistics, performance marketing, day-to-day -day accounts, all was run by Trisha. Now, logistics, operations, CRM, warehousing was run by a female. A mm. lot of people were like, this, like she was in a lot of situations like, actually, can you call Arjun? She's like, no, I'm running this. But I was like, she's so much better than me at that. So obviously she should run it, right? Of course. And so there were a lot of times that she was the only woman in the room and I was and both of us were like but you're much more talented than me at this so you should be there not me and then we had a clear demarcation mm. if a logistics company called me and said we have better rates than what you have I was like sure but please talk to her I'm not involved and if an investor came to meet her she was like that's not my department please come or if there was a big sales deal to be cracked or there was something to be done in the factory it was for me and that's so how we did even uh, my in four and a half years, huh. she came to the factory once or twice. Oh wow! Oh, that's that's interesting. And she so only you... came when we shook hands to close our series A. Only <laughs> then, and that to the end of the day. The rest of the time, she was at the office. Not in work. Nice. Not ne not necessary. So I, I think that demarcation is very important. 
right? So even at Equinox, my wife is my business partner. Uh, family is helping out in so many different different ways, right? It's a strength that you need to leverage, not something you need to be ashamed of. It is not something that people will say, oh, you're this because of that. You know what? Today, everyone is where they're because of the family system, whether they're in business or personal life. People are where they're, whoever it is, is because they have that support system around them. It's because everyone contributed something to you as a person or to the business, right? So, for example, we put up so many labs in the middle of the pandemic without me leaving this room and without my dad handles the infra, without he leaving his living room and me leaving my office. We were able to build up four new labs in the middle of the pandemic. Wow. If I had to do it alone, no chance. In no chance. Hell. No way. No chance I would have done it. Companies I would have said, built by one or two people. It's not. Right. So it's very important to have that. And where people have it, they should be proud of it. And they should leverage that as much as you can. Can it get complicated? Yes. Will you have arguments? Yes. But also your bond, your family bond should take you through those arguments much faster. And you should Correct. come out smarter and stronger. Uh, when you ra uh, ran uh, Dr. Vedas, what were the top three KPIs or metrics that were the biggest impact for you, that all you looked at? Uh, yeah, it's a tough question. Look, uh, if I look from a D2C lens, uh, I think I saw five numbers every day. Oh, nice. Yesterday's revenue, mm. right, next morning, 11 a.m., mm. yesterday's revenue, the amount of money spent for that revenue. Mm the channels where that money was spent, mm. the top products or the product mix that was sold mm. uh, and the conversion rate on my website. These were the five things that I looked at. Brilliant. The one big other metric that was part of it that I didn't look at because that was not my department was returns, mm. um, RTOs, mm. which was very important for Tisha because mm. if you have a high number there, you actually don't get a clear picture of your business um, and it starts reflecting only two weeks later. So what you thought was X in terms mm. of your performance marketing efficiency becomes 0.7x, but you only realize that two weeks later, and then your cash is stark, your money is stark, your products are stark, everything is just inventory is a big issue. So I think that's the metric she looked at. But these are the five metrics I saw every morning, 11 a.m. Brilliant. And how important are metrics like this for founders? And should every founder look at maybe the top three, top five metrics every day? What day, day every day, day, right? At least in an e-commerce business. Uh, because that's the experience I have, right? Mm. I can't talk about other businesses mm. because I'm not so experienced there. At least in e-commerce business, seeing it every day is critical. And, you know, I learned this because my dad, before we had an investor, my dad was like chairman of the board. Then, right? He was not involved in the business, but every month we'd go and present to him and stuff like that. He's like, uh, you have to see this number every day. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll see it every day. Time. See, then he told someone in our accounts team, I want to see this number every day. And so they made a WhatsApp group with me, Trisha, my dad, um, and these two, three people from our accounts team. And that's how we started seeing the number every day. And it was so important. So and important. so you didn't wait for a Power BI or a dashboard WhatsApp group? WhatsApp group, Excel sheet, screenshot. Okay, Power BI and all is great. That's probably where the data can uh, come from. For us, it didn't. We didn't have that uh, um, sort of sophisticated infrastructure. But I used to see that Excel sheet every morning. That's brilliant. Um, and that's what I sent you, right? On Instagram. <laughs> and I was expecting something much bigger. I'm like, one second. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. Right? Because most people get stuck on technologies. They get stuck on, oh, we will automate this. Well, start an Excel, start automate. in WhatsApp. It's good to automate, but start somewhere. Most people don't start their overthink, Right? Uh, what was the main reason you decided to exit Dr. Wedding? Yeah, I think I've got this question like hundreds of times now. Two reasons. Huh. Uh, 
one we were online operators mm-hmm. we didn't know offline we failed miserably offline the business was reaching a ceiling at 5 10000 orders a day mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. whether that ceiling was 20000 30000 15000 orders i don't know the answer but i felt some resistance and so the next leg of growth of the business had to be offline and i wasn't mm-hmm. a good offline operator our investors were better offline operators so that was one to the value was very fair and so, so having worked in private equity um i removed myself mm-hmm. from look there is founder passion and shareholder value my mom dad and brother also shareholders in the company correct they made more than 30 times their investment right in dr vedya's in a four year period you're not getting that kind of return as much as you say right correct notional return and real return is very different of course and when you exited were you there for a few days months or is it four months and after the four month here's the key thank you and here's then the you yeah i'm living in bombay so i'm available anytime huh. and i i still do help ha huh. of course um, still your very periodically so the day you finally disengaged so to say what did you feel the next day morning like Did yeah, you feel different? I actually wrote about this on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. It's a huge burden that you sort of. It's just a huge burden that leaves your body, right? Mm. And so, I started feeling really, really light. Mm. I remember, uh, like, it was a weird feeling, right? So the last day we went into the office, um, we got up to the sixth floor, and then from the lift to our desks. we had our entire team clapping for us and giving us flowers and notes nice. right it's like a cricketer who scored a 100 and then like <laughs> nah. you're raising your bat and you're walking back to the pavilion and so uh, that that was the day and then you know we continue the day etc all of that the end of the day everybody from the team left we called our families we sat on that same dining table we had pizza and we just reflected a little bit and then we packed four and a half years in two boxes mm. and we just left and that's a really really deep thought right and the next day i went for a vacation to sikkim um, and i was just feeling so light so chilled so free mm. mentally right my mm. dad said one very important thing to me that time he said most people don't have the ability to pause in mm. life mm. um you have this special ability that you are getting i have worked for 35 years i have not paused even once mm. Use this time well. That I think that statement is going to stay with me for a long time, uh, because if I ever think that hey, you know what, tomorrow if I have nothing to do, how will I feel? I mean, I I get uneasy. Like for example, even on a Sunday, if oh my kids are doing something, wife is doing something, I will take out an iPad, I will check emails, I will go and watch. I mean, on uh, YouTube, I learn something new. But for me, that's not work. I mean, but for other people, it looks like work. But it's very, I feel very uneasy. Like tomorrow if I have nothing, I'm going to be. It's going to take a little getting so, uh, used to. I mean, like I used to like schedule like squash at 10 a.m. I started table tennis coaching for a little bit. Eventually, I I found things to do. Right, but the one thing I knew mm. was that I am young enough, energetic enough, and passionate enough that I'm not scared. I'll have nothing to do. Mm. And within three four months, I found out what I wanted to do next. Right, so I was never scared. Some founders are scared. I don't blame them. But uh, I was never scared. Uh, after. Doctor Vedas, what was the first venture, or what was the first thing you started working? Uh, we moved to Aliba. Okay. Uh, that was the first thing we did. Nice. We couldn't go anywhere. We wanted to go abroad for a vacation, but we mm-hmm. couldn't. So we moved to Aliba. And then actually, the first thing I did was I just said, "Look, I have this time and this knowledge, mm-hmm. and I want to give it to founders for free." So I just put a calendar link, and I said, "12 hours of my week. Anyone wants to book a slot with me, talk to me." From yeah. that, I started engaging with founders, mentoring these founders. I started enjoying it. I really liked it. I started investing. Then I invested in like now we've invested in eighty plus companies as angels. Oh wow! Um, but that started from just engaging, advising, helping founders. Mm. And you said this knowledge has to be um, 
structured, right? Like, how do I give this mm. knowledge to thousands of people? So we wrote a sort of playbook on building a D2C brand, which we now teach as a course. We teach India's largest cohort-based course on D2C on the weekends. Oh, lovely. In our fifth cohort now of, oh, wow. of people learning from us on that. So I think these are the first few things I did. Fantastic. Eventually, I started enjoying this. Um, and I got fortunate serendipity that someone from Berlin West reached out to me. Mm. Um, and offered me an amazing role to run an early stage VC fund with them in partnership with them. Um, and that's what I started doing professionally in December 21. So it was a like eight month gap. Mm. Uh, I was not free. I was huh. doing a lot of things, but eight month gap. And so now you're doing uh, the World Invest full time. And are you also teaching the course on the weekend? Yeah. Oh, love the it. course on the weekends. But look, to be honest, uh, as a investor mm. or as a community member, as an enabler, it's our job to stay engaged with the community. And so while I teach the course on the weekends out of passion, it's also my my way to stay connected to the community as well. Fantastic. What is uh, a big challenge that you're facing in your current role? Uh, look, I think the biggest challenge for me today is the ability to say no. Mm. Like I have 1,200 unread WhatsApps right now. That's the most annoying thing for me in life. And I just can't get rid of it. I have lots of unread messages on LinkedIn. And I, I don't like... Uh, the fact that I have this, but I, I'm not good at prioritizing. Um, I need to get better at it. Okay. So to I, anyone who's I've not replied to, I'm sorry. I'm getting there. No, I think Ian, when I messaged you, I think the first time I messaged you, I didn't get a response. But I think my second time I did get a response from you, which was, I think I was a lucky one. Maybe many, many, many other folks who may not have gotten a response. You messaged me on Insta though. Huh. On Insta, so, I see, that's what, so I was surprised at the power of Instagram because on LinkedIn and other places, sometimes it gets so crowded. Right, even on WhatsApp, like some random person message on WhatsApp, I'll, I'll, I'll see it later. And then once it gets buried, almost impossible to get to it. But Instagram is a place where most people read their DMs, most people manage their own accounts. Right, so it's very easy to slide into somebody's DM and reach out to people. Correct. Right, I have so many people reached out to me on LinkedIn because my LinkedIn also does get managed. I, mean, I, have, I have a team that will you know look at a lot of the stuff and prioritize the main things up to me. Right, uh, but sometimes if they think it's a low priority, it may just slide. But other people reach out on Instagram and they, they get a response. They Like many people reach out for a job, many people reach out for mentoring, many people reach out like, I'm stuck in this, how do I, you know, this thing. And uh, in the last uh, uh, few months, we've been playing around with the whole creator piece as well, right? So uh, that's been a, and that's been a fun journey for me. But uh, Instagram has now become the new place where you talk to people, connect with people. And literally anyone you want to reach is one DM away. Right, so I think that was a big learning for uh, me as well. Uh, what do you see yourself? I was going to ask you five years, but since you said five years will be too long a horizon. Within a year or two, how do you see yourself evolving? I actually don't even think for a year, okay. honestly. 100 days down, 100 how do you days. see yourself? I actually, so we have a nice thing we do, my wife and I. Every 100 days, we set personal, professional and family goals. Lovely. Um, we started on 1st of Jan every year. Lovely. Um, so we just did our sort of second one for this year, last weekend. Nice. Um, and we set tangible goals. Um, what do we a want Any to of the, the goals which you can share? Yeah. Um, I am... Uh, this year, we had... I had set a goal to run 1,000 kilometers. Um, I'm, I'm on, track on track for that, at least for 750, if not 1,000. Um, I definitely want to get much fitter than I am. Um, and I have got a structured nutrition and workout regime now, not just randomly what I wanted to do. Um, so I think, um, personally, uh, those That's... are some things I want to focus on. Obviously we've had a baby now. Congratulations. Um, so being, being more part of, of the baby's life as well. 
is important for me yeah how how has having a baby changed your life a perspective hmm. that like doing that call at 10 pm that was not so important doesn't need to happen um and spending time doing nothing just being there around the baby uh, i didn't understand it until i i'm going through it and yeah and, and you mentioned you had a daughter yes trust me as she grows up she's going to be the person who loves you more than your wife and loves more than anyone else in the world like today my daughter loves me more than anyone else in the you know, world one piece of advice i've got though mm. which i really liked mm. and we have implemented it's been 3 months almost 3 mm. months but um it's worked for us at least is when you have a kid mm. um don't let the husband wife relationship go away oh of course that's that's invaluable advice that's absolutely because everything becomes about the kids yeah and that's not right and it's like having date nights having whatever right having that regime and sometimes yes. you may have to force it at the beginning but many times people get so caught up in parenthood that they forget to prioritize themselves they forget to prioritize their relationship so i think that's a very big personal advice i'm definitely going to amplify that in my life as well uh over the last 4 years what are couple of traits you've developed that you think make you stronger today uh i think uh i have learned the ability to cold reach out to people mm. i think that is like something that um when you're a early stage entrepreneur like you have nothing to lose so you reach out to people you don't feel bad now people message me saying i should have reached out to you how come you reached out to me and i was like no no it's okay i liked your work so i reached out to you i think that's one thing nice um the second thing is um uh, to be able to speak to people who you've never met before and actually have an engaged conversation um that's the second thing and the third thing is putting yourself out because until you i can afford a brand ambassador to be your own brand ambassador right and so i think these three things i've learned from my founder journey and now i'm continuing so i think now your personal brand is becoming very strong right which is very good i'm i'm seeing you on a lot of podcasts i'm seeing you coming up you know i like seeing you out on social a lot more than probably before uh i was scared so i was, I was what my next question was that like how did you like what made you decide you know what it's time that i am there out more start slowly hmm. see if you're comfortable if you're not also it's okay you're comfortable do it like some founders ask me how important is a personal brand if you can do it do it it'll help if you can't do it also it's okay everyone can't do it right, right. but it always adds value having it there adds value but it's, it's good it's but not, it's not for everyone ha. and uh, the other is talking to somebody who's very good in social media and uh, you know uh, so they were telling me that don't worry about what your feed looks like don't worry about like oh my i have to do a short and this and this and this they like do what you can do what you enjoy right and i was talking to another friend and she had like 7 million followers and i was like boss and she puts out a lot of content every day I'm like isn't there a lot of stress on you to do this you're put all she's like not at all like zero i'm like what do you mean she's like i enjoy it one i'm doing what comes naturally i am doing what comes naturally i'm just oh you uh, we're having this conversation she like oh, I, i like really like your painting i'll take a picture and put it on there i'm not going looking for the picture i'm not going looking for that conversation she like by the way what you're seeing is only 10% or what i'm actually doing i'm actually doing so much more i'm not putting half of that out there because so, so much of it is personal like i you'll never see me taking pictures at my parents house because they are not very comfortable they are not do that i when i'm with my dog i spend time with the dog i'm not going to put my dog on instagram and so on and so forth so she like and if you enjoy it do it and she like you don't be under the stress of putting out so many stories because that may not be you like for example i'm not very comfortable putting out my kids on social media fair 
ठीक है मेनी पीपल आर लाइक ओ माय गॉड योर किड्स आर सो दिस एंड दैट एंड दे टॉक सो मच यू नो पुट देम ऑन योर फॉलोअर्स इन ग्रुप लाइक इट नो आई डोंट मैटर इट डजंट मैटर बिकॉज़ आई एम नॉट कंफर्टेबल दैट्स ओके एंड एंड दे आर आल्सो बाय द वे सेम वे दे आर लाइक नो नो वी आई वी डोंट बी ऑन दिस थिंग सरप्राइजिंगली माय सन वांट्स टू स्टार्ट अ YouTube चैनल ऑन चेस वी आर काइंड ऑफ so i can encourage him saying okay keep your face off it and you can do commentary on the chess and whatever it is so maybe that we will do how do you compound yourself how do you improve 1% better every day 1% better every day yeah it's a game of golf right huh? life hmm. startup business everything is a game of golf so explain go deeper on in the sense that like i don't care what other people are doing hmm. um if i am at x i just want to get to 1.01x and then hmm. compound from there as opposed to hey that guys there i am here what's the point no that game is there only na at some point no so what do you do to improve is it books is it what are you how are you improve i think the best thing that i have learned is honest reflection mm honest reflection i am not there mm. why am i not there how can i get there and you find those people in life who can be your mirror if you can't do it yourself yeah. i have my dad and my wife who are that for me honest reflection it's very difficult because when you reflect honestly and if you have failed or what even even if you sometimes achieve something but maybe not through the best means or whatever it is when you honestly reflect many people start feeling very guilty they start feeling very bad I'm like boss, but if you don't understand and acknowledge that, you're going to continue that same pattern, yeah. right? So I do the same exercise every uh, evening, where uh, by end of my day, I normally ask myself two, three questions. One is, hey, what have I learned in the day? That's the thing. And if I've not learned, I go and learn. Second is, hey, I done my, I done through the day. I'm like, hey, what did I do well? Right? I must have done a couple of things, and I was like really proud of how I handled the situation this way, or I took this decision. And hey, what did I do off? Like, what could I have improved on? right what could i have done differently like i did this the situation was this and i did this but yeah maybe i shouldn't have said that or maybe i shouldn't have done this it took me a while to get consistent with the practice because the first time just that doing it I actually started feeling quite upset or depressing oh shit i screwed up so much like oh my god like i could have handled it so much better then i realized you know what but if, if i feel so guilty and i feel so bad i'm just going to stop doing it correct and i'm like you know what and i used to feel very bad about taking wrong decisions but then i realize you know what if i don't take decisions like every decision we take pushes us forward i take maybe what seven eight critical decisions a day even if one of them is wrong but the seven are right it's pushing us that much more further right but many times people don't actually see it from that perspective when uh, somebody starting out a new business how important do you think is values mission core values and such is that very important yeah philosophy define culture of the organization and setting it up from day one and embodying it from day one is very important so if the founder says hard work is our strength and not putting in the hard work honesty is our practice and being dishonest um then it doesn't make sense and uh, i think that will eventually when the organization scales be the binding force that keeps everything together okay. how did you set this at dr vedas I actually copied my dad's. I really liked the seven philosophies he had. Nice. Hard work is our strength. Humbleness is equity. Um, honesty is our practice. Happy to work. Happier to achieve. Hundred percent and nothing less. Mm. Team effort is our power, and customers are reason for being. I just copied it. Love. It. <laughs> so uh, we did something very similar, and we I did it. Unfortunately, I think ten years too late. But uh, you know, better uh, late than never. 
uh, when for each of the for one of the companies we created our uh, mission we created our uh, passion i mean no, purpose and core values i think for every company the mission may change the purpose may change but for us as a group when even though we created the core values in one when i showed it to everyone else everyone was like boss but this is who we are like i mean why is it only for equinox darjeeling equinox regions and other companies also these core values make sense because we practice them and the way we came up with it also was we actually sat with everybody like the entire organization saying guys what are things that we anyways doing what are things that we believe in that we anyways doing let's start putting them in words for a simple reason that when new people come it becomes a little easier for them to understand hey how do we as an organization operate as an equinoxian that what are you supposed to do not Absolutely. supposed to do because for me core values what, i mean what is written on the board is great what if you say it is great but are you really practicing them yeah and once people understand what they are and for each of our core values we actually have like a campfire story one is the core values on the wall what is the story behind it how are people practicing because if you see it but don't know what it means yeah. it's I like agree. okay it's on the wall like take out of the six like we have six we understand one two or the remaining four we don't understand so around each core value there is like you know stories around because people understand stories a lot better than just a statement right so that has been very uh, very interesting for us do you think you will start another venture by yourself i don't know okay the answer okay but uh, is that something that you would want to i think at some point in life i will okay when i don't know okay but my wife will start before me that's for sure and no so uh, even offline we are talking about the show and i would love to have her on the show because i think Absolutely. sounds like an amazing person i would love to have her and uh, if you have if you have given a choice in your next like if you start would it be with her yeah 100% 100% Nice. I won't. I don't know anyone who would be a better co-founder. Okay. So. Lovely. Would she say the same? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> no, both of us miss working together. Nice. I think both of us miss. No, I, I think it sounds like you all had a lot of fun. That, that was a journey that you all went through, right? True, that true, was true. that was amazing. And uh, in four and a half years, you were able to achieve what many companies can't do in decades. How does that make you feel? Nothing. Nothing. Right place at right time. Right place, right time. We did a good job. We got a good opportunity. you may be right place at the right time so we took advantage of that opportunity but doesn't mean we are the greatest smartest people in the world but isn't it uh, it didn't stroke your ego just not even a notch no no no, no. not at all we've seen the tough times also we've seen how difficult it is so not at all and i got to buy my own house where i live that's the great thing for me that's the only thing that changed in that only that's about changed. it So uh, one of my uh, mentors is Dr. Velumani from Thyrocare. Yeah. Right. He had a billion dollar yeah. uh, exit, and I was meeting his daughter as she had come to our office, and so I was asking her. I'm like, hey, you know, how's life after such a big unlock? What's changed? What she told me, I I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to forget the rest of my life. She said, uh, Ashwin, I was coming from my office to here, and I came by an Ola, and I was debating should I take a mini or a <laughs> I was like, "Are you are you kidding me? You could buy half of the company. You could buy the company." She's actually debating, and she's like, "It's nothing has changed." Uh, even after that whole thing, when I met Doctor Velumani, exactly the same dressing, slippers, pants, everything. Nothing has changed. Not the nothing. Zero. You see, the most successful people are like that. But something I really admire, right? Because it is. I know so many others. That kind of money comes in. Oh, we are going to do this. We are going to do that. We are going to going to fly away here. We are only going to fly first class. We will only fly business class. And but the actual founders who I've seen getting those exits, 
same nothing they are like boss theek hai money is come great we may use it for good we may use it to grow something we may you know give it back to i mean let's see how can we give it back to community startup community the business community and uh, obviously this thing uh do you think founders should do charity or do things to give back to community in a non monetary way absolutely for me it's sport okay um, trisha and i have donated um to inspire institute of sport which is jsw's oh, training facility one right, athlete right. till paris that's what we are passionate about that's where we do Fantastic. our work and, and 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 we are excited about it and it means something to us i know you're very passionate about running yeah so is that how do you train for that like are you are you training for like a marathon because i know you run every day yeah yeah i i run the half pretty huh. often i okay. don't run full i okay. run the half marathon five times now okay uh but it's not about training for something it's about an activity that i enjoy lovely marathon is a way to tell yourself you're doing good or okay or whatever but but i enjoy doing it regardless of whether there's a marathon coming or not okay so you just run every day i mean just because that's not just every day, become two like to three times a week i okay. run now i've been forced to go to the gym so okay. by my trainer nutrition that whole plan so nice. i do two three times nice run so, or squash or something what is a, a habit a personal habit that you have which you think is a productivity hack uh doing something physical doing some physical activity almost every day of the week okay and so for me it's been the whole the standing desk piece yeah. which i showed you earlier yeah. that was a hack for me yeah and the way i realized it also is when i when we started working from home in the pandemic i mean i was sitting down and working and i realized that i'm not feeling as good or as whatever when i used to be in office then i went through my head ki what did i do differently in office even though we had a desk i had a desk uh my cabin had a wall which i could write on i was always there even when i was in the conference room or board room i'm the one like everyone else is sitting i'm the one at the board and i'm like you know let me try and emulate that and let me see if it kind of brings things back so i just move i mean i got a standing desk and i keep it standing i mean i just sit down for me half an hour a day but that hack was just completely changed and two actually living by your calendar because back in the day calendar was there ea was there keep moving around years six years have come and gone <laughs> they were not able to manage but pandemic actually helped me get yeah, the priorities yeah that's when we all structured living by the calendar and so that was fantastic if a uh, uh, if your daughter ever wants to get into business what are maybe the three pieces of advice you would want to give her i know it's too early but forget my daughter okay <laughs> anyone who wants to get into business the reason i said daughter is a little different because then it gets very personal very quickly that's why i was like 3 months to early this 3 months yeah <laughs> uh you can't do it alone hmm. you need an empowered team that's how business compounds hmm. startups and businesses are not part time you either in or out hobbies are different love it businesses are not hobbies and um it's a glamorous journey from the outside but there's a lot of failure be ready for the ride and be okay to get knocked down and get up again fantastic i think uh, thank you so much for sharing that uh, and i think uh, anyone who watches this is going to gain so much out of that perspective and uh, for somebody who's at such a large exit i love how humble you are it is just fascinating it's really really interesting and uh, uh, what i loved is uh, when i reached out to you for a podcast even this is probably not the bigger biggest podcast in india you actually said yes in a second and i i really appreciate you taking that time I think more and more people need to see more and more uh, people like you learn from them everyone may not get the exit that you got but I think the work ethic that you've shown the innovation that you've shown 
uh, and the courage that you've shown in times of failures. I think that is something that people will you know, should learn from you, and that's something I'm going to learn from you. Apart from the two three other <laughs> nuggets that you gave me, and a lot of this is actually going to go on my wall uh, and in my and on a journal. Because I think reflecting on those and imbibing those from people is absolutely critical. It's been an amazing conversation. Thank you for having me, Ashwin. Thank you so much, Ashwin. Have a great. And by the way, don't forget to follow us because you're going to be missing out a lot of new updates which are coming out. We're producing a lot more shots. We're producing a lot more content than ever before. And if you haven't subscribed, don't forget to subscribe. There is a lot of new cool content coming your way. Thanks. Thank you.